For the Scripture reading this morning, we turn to Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. Reading this in connection with Lord's Day 49 of the Catechism, Heidelberg Catechism, found on page 26 in the back of the Psalter. Acts chapter 21, we have the description of Paul's journey to Jerusalem. And as we read this, it might seem to us, why are we reading this? But when we get to the verse, it will pop out of of the page and, and we'll understand right away why we are reading this passage. Acts 21, verses 1 through 18. And it came to pass that after we were gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course unto Coas, and the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence unto Patera. And finding a ship sailing over unto Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Now when we had discovered Cyprus, so they're sailing on the boat, they they see Cyprus on the horizon, we left it on the left side. And sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unlade her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. And when we had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way. And they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city. And we kneeled down on the shore. And prayed. And when we had taken our leave one of another, we took ship, and they returned home again. And when we had finished our course from Tyre, we came to Ptolemaeus and saluted the brethren, and abode with them one day. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, Paul's belt, and bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle. And shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus." And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. And after those days, we took up our carriages and went up to Jerusalem. There went with us also certain of the disciples of Caesarea, and brought with them one Nason of Cyprus, an old disciple, with whom we should lodge. And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the day following, Paul went in with us unto James, and all the elders were present. 
so far we read. Verse 18 also is a reason for reading this passage. It gives a, a mention of James, and we're doing a series through the book of James, the letter of James. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus, uh, one of the leaders in the church at Jerusalem. It's on the basis of this passage of Scripture and on the basis of many passages that we have the teaching of Lord's Day 49 of the Heidelberg Catechism, found on page 26 in the back of the Psalter. Lord's Day 49, which is the third petition? Thy will, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That is, grant that we and all men may renounce our own will and without murmuring obey thy will, which is only good, that so everyone may attend to and perform the duties of his station and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels do in heaven." Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, by way of introduction, let me remind you of a fundamental truth. And that fundamental truth is this. The Christian life is a life of thankfulness. The Christian life is a life of thankfulness. That's where we are in the catechism, and that must never be forgotten. Why are we busy in the daily activity of turning from sin unto God, striving to put away sin? Why do we have the strict preaching of the law? Why are we so passionate about the truth of God's Word? And why are we adamant about pursuing a holy life to God's glory? Because we're thankful. Because we are thankful for the glorious, full and free salvation that God has given us through Jesus Christ. He has provided us a Savior He's washed away all our sins through the shed blood of His Son. He has made us heirs of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And we want to give God the honor and the glory that is His due. That's what burns in the heart of the child of God. I'm thankful. That's why I do everything that I do or that I'm I'm striving to do what pleases the Lord. And in order to live and die happily, I as a Christian, as we learn in Lord's Day 1, I must know how I am to express my gratitude to God for the great deliverance He has given me in Jesus Christ. Now what we also need to remember is this. Prayer is the chief part of thankfulness. Prayer is the first and the highest expression of of showing thanks, to worship God in prayer, to communicate our thanks through prayer, to seek God even in prayer, just to seek out His fellowship in prayer, confessing through that activity that He is the source of all our joy. He is is the fountain of all good and And to pray to Him and be with Him and, and to pray to Him as Jesus taught us to pray. That is the greatest expression of thankfulness. We could say this is where thanksgiving starts. If you are thankful that God is your God, that God has saved you from all your sins, what will you do? You will pray. 
Don't look first at how many hours you put in this past week, as if that shows your thankfulness. Or don't look first at how you denied yourself this week. You know, these are expressions of thankfulness. But first look at this. Have I actually walked with God? Have I actually enjoyed God and lived out of this life of prayer and fellowship with God? Have I spoken to God my thanks? And has that then shaped the rest of my day? For the true child of God, prayer is basic. So that's why we're going through prayer in this third section of the Catechism. Prayer is basic for thankfulness. Well, as we've been going through the Lord's Prayer, we come this morning to the third petition. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And in this third petition, we have our thankfulness expressed in a very particular and powerful way. In this third petition, we are saying, Lord, we are thankful. And we are thankful that Thou art God. And we are thankful that Thou art God and we are not. And we are thankful for Thy powerful deliverance of us from all our sins. And we know our place. We are Thy servants. Thou art the King. Thy kingdom come. And we are Thy redeemed servants. Heavenly Father, we don't want to be God. Heavenly Father, we've had enough of serving self. And it was misery. Father, we freely acknowledge we are nothing And Thou art everything. Thou art great and glorious. And Thou art only good. And Father, we want Thy will to be done. Thou art the King. This is the glory Thou art deserving of. That Thy will and Thy will alone be done. Thy will alone is good. And Thy will is certainly more than enough for me. This is how great my thankfulness is. Our thankfulness is We don't want our wills to be done. Only thy will. We take as our theme this morning, praying for our Father's will to be done. And we look at that theme under three points. First, praying for His will. We want to make sure we understand what we're praying for. Second, renouncing our own will. Putting this into practice, understanding what that means. And then third, the only possibility. As we begin looking at this third petition, the first thing that we need to understand is that God is a willing God. God is a willing being. He is a being who wills, who desires. He is a divine being. He's the divine being, and He is a willing being. Among creatures, we can easily distinguish between Creatures, created things that are willing creatures and those that are not willing creatures, creatures without a will. A tree is a creature that does not have a will. A tree does not act consciously. It does not choose or determine. A tree is not a willing creature. A willing creature is a creature that acts consciously, intellectually, willingly, and determines to do things according to the dictates of his heart. It is the will, this faculty, this power of the will that distinguishes men and angels from the rest of the creatures God has made. The will is that faculty that God has given us by which a person judges and distinguishes what is good and evil and then chooses either for the good or the evil. And just so, God himself is a willing being. Being. God is one who possesses a mind. 
He possesses an intellect by which he reasons. And in all his acts and in all his works, God is a conscious, intellectual, determining being. He decides and determines what is good, and he chooses it. And in fact, God is a willing being in a way that we are not, because our willing action, our activity of willing is very limited. It's dependent on so many things. For example, we don't get to choose. We don't get to will what the good is or what the evil is. We don't determine that. But with God, it's different. God's activity of willing is independent. God is not just one who chooses between good and evil. God is actually the one who determines by His will what the good is and what the evil is. What is good? Good is what God wills it to be. What is evil? Evil is what God wills to be evil. By the exercise of His own will, God is the one who determines what everything is. That's even why the Catechism says that God's will is only good. It uses that language because it's emphasizing that by definition, it's good because it's the will of God. God is the very one who determines what the good is. So His will is only good. I hope we understand that. This is part of what it means for God to be God. And this is very practical. You see, so often we want to act as if we are God. And that shows itself in exactly this, that we want to determine and define what is good in our lives and what is evil. I will determine what is good for my life. I will determine what I need in life right now. I get to choose which commandments of God are important, and I get to choose which commandments can be compromised. I get to choose what is right, what is the right thing for me in this situation. I get to choose my own pathway in life, and we are pushing God out of His place and acting as if we are God. And the reality, of course, is we are not God. It is not our wills that determines what is good for us. It is God's will. And in this third petition, this is basic to what we are saying and what we are confessing. We are not God. But God is God. He determines what is good. He determines what is evil. He determines what should be done right now. And He determines what are good circumstances for me in life right now. And I submit to that because I acknowledge that He is God and I am not. Thy will, thy will be done. Now to move on, the second thing we need to understand is that we need to make a distinction within the one will of God between the will of His decree and the will of His command. God is a willing God, and there is the will of His decree we can speak of, and the will of His command. By the will of God's decree, we refer to God's eternal plan by which He has determined all things that take place. By the will of His decree, we refer to everything that happens in history. By, God's eternal, by God, the will of God's decree, we refer to God's eternal decree of double predestination, election and reprobation. We refer to God's decree concerning the Christ, that God would create the world, that there would be the fall of man into sin. God decreed that. God decreed the fall into sin. And God decreed that He would send Christ into the world to save sinners and to magnify His own name in that way. 
As the apostle puts it in Ephesians 1 verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Who works all things after the counsel according to the counsel of his own will. That's his will. That's his, the will of his decree. There are no accidents in the world. There's nothing that happens by chance. Everything that takes place happens because it's part of the eternal will of God's good pleasure. That's God's decretive will. He determines who shall be saved. He determines who shall not be saved. I just spoke to someone about that this morning, that reality. Even Jesus' death on the cross, that that darkest day in history, it was carried out, we read in the Bible, according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. That's the will of God's decree. In distinction from that will of God's decree, there is also the will of His command. And by the will of God's command, we refer to the Ten Commandments. We refer to what God requires of His creatures in His Word, what He commands us to do. For example, in Matthew 7, verse 21, Jesus uses the word will in exactly this sense. Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father in heaven. Jesus is talking there about God's commands, doing the will of my Father in heaven. This will of God's command, we can also refer to as God's preceptive will, the will of His precepts. His decretive will, His preceptive will. Now we should understand that there's no conflict between these two aspects of the one will of God. There is one will of God, and these two aspects are part of the one will of God. The will of God's decree refers to what God has determined for Himself to do, what He has determined for Himself to do, and the will of God's command refers to what God has determined for His creatures to do. That is, what He requires of His creatures. God is going to do certain things. God is going to carry out the will of His decree, and as He carries out His decrees... As he carries out his eternal good pleasure, God commands that mankind should live and behave in a certain way in the circumstances God has placed them in. That's the distinction between the will of his decree and the will of his command. These are very important concepts for us to understand. In this third petition, the question is, which aspect of God's will is Jesus referring to? When, when he teaches us to pray, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, what is he teaching us to pray for? Are we praying that God would carry out his decrees? Or are we praying that we would keep God's commandments? Well, when you first look at this petition, just by the way it's worded, the inclination might be to say that it's, it's referring to God's commandments, Right? After all, the comparison is made between how God's will is followed here on earth compared with how it's followed in heaven. Thy will be done, thy commandments be followed on earth just as much as they are followed by the angels in heaven. So the third petition evidently is referring to the will of God's command. 
And yet I think intuitively we understand that there's more involved in this third petition than just that. Because the reality is you can't separate the will of God's commandments from the will of His decree. They, they go together. They're part of the one will of God. And in your life, God is your God in both these respects. He determines what your circumstances will be. And He also determines how you are to live in the midst of those circumstances. God sets the stage for your life. Every day He sets the stage. And then God commands you to live for His glory according to His commandments in the midst of those circumstances, that, that stage, you might say, that He's put before you. And when you pray, Thy will be done, when we pray that, our prayer concerns both things. Father, have Thine own way. Father, do what You want with my life. And in this day, do what You want with it. Bring me to experience these experiences You want me to go through. And then, Father, may I live according to Your commandments faithfully in the midst of these circumstances. You see, that's exactly what God's will is. That I should give God obedience and honor Him in just the way that He wants honor to be given to Him. He's orchestrated my life, my day, so that the way of obedience is going to give Him this kind of honor and this kind of praise. And now I pray, Lord, as you've orchestrated my life in this way, in this day, let fitting praises be given unto thee in this way. God has his decrees. That's what he's determined to do. And then there's my responsibility. Responding to that will of God in obedience to his commandments. Just like the angels have that responsibility. I need to ask myself, in this situation that God has ordained for me, what does he want me to do. That's the issue. And here's the thing. Part of God's commandment for me is exactly that I submit to His purposes with my life, with thankfulness and contentment, and in a sense, that I actually desire His will to be done these things to be done, so, so that I, I don't rebel against these things or, or despise them. You see, these two aspects of the one will of God are inseparable. You cannot submit to God's commandments in a manner that pleases God without at the same time submitting to how He's leading your life. You cannot submit to His commandments without having that posture of humility and contentment and praise. To put it another way, I can't choose to obey God's commandments only in the life that I want to have. But I am called to obey His commandments in the life that He has ordained for me. That He has willed for me. So to be clear, in this third petition, what are we praying for? Well, we're praying for two things. First, we are praying that God will give us the desire and ability to do what He commands of us. So that we actually do what He commands of us. And then second, we are praying that God would give us the grace to embrace His sovereign will for our lives without complaining or murmuring. And we are praying that God would indeed fulfill His own good pleasure with our lives. And what does that involve? It involves 
renouncing our own wills. And that leads us then into the second point of the sermon. We, we've looked at what God's will is. We have a clear understanding of the two aspects and, and what we're praying for in this third petition. And now we have to look at renouncing our own wills. And this is something that the Catechism emphasizes. It's what the Catechism mentions right away. Which is the third petition? Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That is, grant that we and all men may renounce our own will. And without murmuring, obey thy will, which is only good. So in this third petition, we are praying that we would renounce our own will. Now to understand that, first of all, we need to understand that just as God is a willing God, that just as God is a God who wills, so God has created us as willing creatures, creatures with a will. We have that faculty of willing. We determine, we de- determine to do things. We choose things. But here's the difference. Man's will is the will of a servant. That's how God created us. We are creatures. We are not the creator. We are the creatures. And so our wills are the wills of a servant. In this sense, I don't determine. I don't determine what is good or evil. I'm not the standard of what is good or evil. God determines that. And I, as a man, as a creature, am called to exercise my will that God has given me in the service of God and what He has determined. When God originally created Adam and Eve, God created man able to do that perfectly. Originally, the the faculty of man's will was such that it was in harmony, perfect harmony with the will of God. He, He willed God's will. He thought God's thoughts after him. But when man sinned and fell... He lost that freedom of the will, to to will God's thoughts. And his will became contrary to the will of God. His will became corrupt. He became wicked, rebellious, and obdurate in heart and will. So that by nature, we do not say and we cannot say, thy will be done. But in fact, by nature, what we say is this. Damn God's will. My will be done. That's total depravity. By nature, we hate God. We are at enmity against God, and we hate His will. But when God, through Christ, comes into our hearts, and He regenerates us, and He establishes His rule of grace in our hearts, then we again, in principle, say, Thy will be done. When the Spirit of Christ comes into our hearts, then we say, out of Christ, this is Christ in us, we say, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And that's where the renouncing of our own will begins. And so now to be perfectly clear, as those who belong to Jesus Christ, we need to renounce our wills in two ways. First, we need to renounce the will of our sinful natures. We need to renounce that will of our sinful nature by which we lust after sin and we want to choose sin and walk in the way of sin. And then second, we need to renounce our will also in this sense when it's clear that our desire for our lives, maybe a a very good and legitimate desire, is not the will of God's decree. We are willing creatures. But first, we need to understand that by nature, left to ourselves, we only will what is wicked, what is opposed to to God. We need to renounce 
out of Christ, out of the new man, we renounce the will of that old man of sin. And then second, we need to remember that our wills need to be the wills of a servant. We must will only in conformity with the will of the king. Right? That's how a kingdom works. The king rules. And our wills are subject to the wills of the king. So what does this mean? Well, first, it doesn't mean that we can't have our own good desires. So so it doesn't mean that if we are sick that we can't pray for healing. It doesn't mean that if a loved one is walking in sin that we can't pray for their repentance. There's nothing wrong with having good desires. But the point is that we must have as our attitude that we are the servants of God. And above everything that we want, above everything else, we want God's will to be done. So we can pray, Lord, grant healing. And then, children, what do we say? If it be thy will. We pray, Lord, work repentance in this man's heart. But then, what do we say? If it be thy will. Lord, thy will be done. And as thy will is done, give me the grace to follow thy commandments just as thou hast given them. Just think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus facing the last stretch of his journey to the cross. And you remember what Jesus prayed. Father, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane wrestling with the Lord in prayer. And he says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And what's striking there about Jesus And that prayer is that Jesus is sinless. And Jesus is a man, fully man, human body, human soul. And and his human nature, the will of his human nature, was to shirk back from the suffering that God was leading him to. He he knew what was before him, and, and he shirked back from it. And there was nothing wrong with that as Jesus experienced that. But then even then... As he experienced that in his flesh, in his body and soul, Jesus immediately said, Nevertheless, this is not what I truly want. For what I want is that thy will be done. You see, Jesus had the will of a servant. And as a servant, Jesus wanted God's will to be done. He wanted God to carry out his decrees, and he wanted to obey God's commandments for him, whatever that meant even if that meant for him going through hell and being forsaken of God to save his people and bear the punishment they deserve for their sins. And that same attitude then must live in us. That's what Jesus is teaching us in this third petition. And it does live within us if if Jesus is in us. That's Jesus at work in us and through us, giving us his mind so that we think that same way as Jesus thinks. Not my will, but thy will. I'm a servant. My life does not belong to me. It belongs to the Lord, and he is free to do with it whatever he wants. And as he does with my life what he wants, he has also revealed to me the way that he wants me to behave as his child. And so I pray, Lord, may I put away self. My self-seeking, my selfish ambitions, my kingdom, my glory, And may I obey thy will 
as Thou dost lead me through these circumstances in my life, so that Thy name is hallowed, right? Just the way that pleases Thee. That's my first petition, that Thy name be hallowed. Now, congregation, let's make this real for ourselves. I think many of you have heard about the tragic accident that happened at Holland State Park this past week. A little two-year-old boy hit by a car and suddenly died. And it was a very shocking and troubling experience for those who were there. What are we supposed to say about this? What are his parents supposed to do or say? In the midst of all the grieving and the sorrow, imagine, it's, it's even hard to imagine and appreciate what's going on when you're in that situation. In, in the midst of all the sorrow and the, and the grieving, the place where we have to land is right here. Lord, have thine own way. If these are thy purposes, O Lord, which obviously they are, then thy will be done. And give us the grace and the strength to honor Thee, to trust Thy goodness, and do what Thou hast commanded us to do in the midst of these devastating circumstances. Give us comfort. Give us to see Jesus and His glory and Thy love. And then give us the grace to do what honors Thee. It's like Job. Can't imagine what Job went through. The Lord gave and the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you want, Lord, if you want that I bring you glory through these tears and through this sorrow, then, Lord, so be it. Thy will is only good. Maybe some of you know about a father and a husband in a sister church in his mid-30s with stage 4 cancer. He's got a wife. He's got five little children. What are you supposed to say about that? Lord, have thine own way and grant, give me the grace to renounce my own will and without murmuring, obey thy will, which is only good. Think about those here in church who have children who are worldly and showing themselves to be unbelievers. What's a parent supposed to say? Give me the grace to renounce my own will and without murmuring, obey thy will, which is only good. And then give me the grace to be faithful and diligent in the calling and station that thou hast given me, so that I'm as faithful as the angels in heaven. Think about the man who can't find work. He sends his application, his resume around. He, he finally gets a call back. There's a job opening. But yeah, he has to work Sundays. And he knows by default that it's not the will of the Lord that he takes that job. That's the will of his command. And he has to submit to that and remain jobless and maybe go further into poverty. Think about a child that is born with special handicaps or serious health concerns. The parents weren't asking for that. I think we can even say that that wasn't the desire of the parents. But what happens? That young couple takes this matter to the Lord in prayer and what do they do? The first thing they say is this, Lord, we pray that thy name be hallowed. 
Grant us rightly to know Thee, to think accurately of Thee in all Thy perfections, and then live and act in a way that Thy name is never blasphemed on our behalf, but rather honored. We pray that Thy name be hallowed. Then, then they pray, Lord, rule us more and more by Thy word and spirit, that we might more and more submit ourselves unto Thee. Thy kingdom come. And then they pray, Lord, doing those things, Thy will be done. Whatever we thought we wanted, what we ultimately want is Thy will to be done. And Lord, if this is Thy will, which it so obviously is, then give us the grace to submit to it, to praise Thy name through it, and to carry out our calling and station as parents of this child in a way that honors Thee like the angels honor Thee in heaven. Think about the little baby who is colicky. And the mom is up all night and her arms are exhausted simply with holding the baby. Lord, this is not what I was expecting with a little baby. I didn't know how hard it was going to be. Lord, give me grace. Thy will be done. Give me the grace to carry out this calling in a way that honors Thee. Think about this. I'm a student at school. School starting tomorrow morning. And this is my station in life right now, Lord. I'm a 12th grader. I don't really like school. I, I want to move on to bigger things, more exciting things. I want to be done, but still, this is the calling and station you've given me in life right now as a 12th grader. Let me do it as diligently and faithfully as the angels in heaven. I'm a factory worker. Lord, this is my station in life. Let me do it unto thee as faithfully and diligently as the angels in heaven. I'm a single mother, single father, raising these children the best I can. Lord, let me do it as diligently and faithfully as the angels in heaven. This is what we're talking about, beloved. Give me the mind of Christ that I might have a servant's heart and a servant's will to do what thou hast commanded me in these circumstances in which thou hast placed me. Give me to follow after Christ. Beloved, you know how radical this is? Our sinful natures scream against this petition. This petition is devastating to the flesh. The flesh hates it. And yet the spirit within us moves us and presses us forward to pray exactly this petition. And that leads us to the question, how is this possible? How is it possible even to pray this prayer? Sometimes it's so hard. Sometimes, because of my infirmities, sometimes I wonder whether I should even be praying this prayer. Because that, that's, that's just my perspective, my lack of faith. How is it possible to pray this petition? Well, there's a few things involved. I've got three things. First, there's this. You, beloved, must remember who you are as a redeemed and regenerated child of God. 
You must fix your eyes on the cross of Jesus Christ and remember what God has done for you already there in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we must remember, looking at the cross, that God has already been so infinitely good to me in forgiving all my sins. And I am thankful. I am thankful because I recognize that this life I'm living right now, whatever it looks like, whatever circumstances God puts me in, this life that I'm living right now, out of Jesus Christ, with God as my God, this is not what I deserve. This is not what I deserve. I deserve to be walking in darkness. I'm thankful. I'm a redeemed, regenerated child of God. Second, there's this. We must remember that God is good and only good, always good. And He is all wise and He loves us perfectly. He is love. And in Jesus, He has been so good to me and His promises are only good. And He promises He will only be good to me. He will avert all evil or turn it to my profit. I don't have to be afraid of God's will. I don't have to be afraid of what He's decreed. I don't have to be afraid of what He has commanded. In fact, God's will is better than what I can imagine. It's better than my own will. He knows the thoughts that He thinks towards me when I'm in Babylonian captivity at the side of the river. He thinks thoughts of peace and not of evil to give me that end, to give me salvation. And I personally need to recognize that when it comes to these circumstances in my life right now, this is exactly what is good for me. This is exactly how it should be. There is no better way for my life than these circumstances right now. Don't pity yourself. God is good. He knows exactly what He is doing. You might not understand how true this is. One day you will be brought to see it. God is in control. He has marked out your pathway through life with meticulous care and with infinite love. Third, finally, there's this. What's the only possibility of praying this petition? Well, bring it all together by starting out with this reality. God is my Father. How does the Lord's Prayer start out? How does Jesus teach us to pray? Our Father. And I trust Him more than I trust myself. He's my Father. I can trust His Word entirely. I can trust His commandments entirely. They are more to be desired than gold, and they are sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. To do my own will is death. It's good to do the will of God. For His will is only good. His will is eternal life. That's the reality. I belong to Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, God is my Father who does all things well. Not a hair can fall from my head, except it be according to His will. And all things are subservient to my salvation. He even gives me His Spirit. So that not only can I pray this prayer, but I pray it sincerely. I have that faith. God has worked that faith in me to see that this is good and this is right. And then we see again how it's all of Him. 
and his word is true and the reality that we confess as Christians is true because the only explanation for this faith is that there is a God. He is Jehovah, the God of our Savior Jesus Christ, and he has worked this faith in us. And when you have that posture, when you have that faith, well, then you can talk just like the saints in Caesarea did when they heard about what was going to happen to Paul in Jerusalem. He's going to be arrested by the Jews. He's going to be handed over to the Gentiles. Imagine knowing that tragedy happening beforehand. You know, we we don't know the tragedies until they happen, but imagine knowing that beforehand. And they said, the will of the Lord be done. And Paul said, don't break my heart. Why are you breaking my heart? I am ready. I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. If that's his will, his will be done. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for teaching us how to pray and working within us the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of prayer. These are sobering truths. We've looked at hard truths, truths that our flesh screams against. And even for us in Christ, even we see it in Jesus, not my will, but Thy will. Give us more of Christ. And use this preaching to shape our hearts and shape our lives so that thy name might be hallowed in how we pray and in what happens in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.